A trigger warning to our listeners today. This episode contains depictions of domestic violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. This is Jules, and welcome back to So This Is Love. When I started this podcast, it was intended to be a limited series, but the overwhelming support in the first season impelled me to continue this work. It has been a beautiful journey collecting and sharing these stories, and for that, I thank all of my guests and listeners for getting us to where we are. Do ensure to listen to the end of the episode to get details on how you can support this podcast. Remember, you can find us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So This Is Love is a space where people can relate to one another, learn from one another, and find a sense of belonging. Enjoy! Welcome to So This Is Love, a podcast about love, the loss of love, heartbreak, and the meeting of self. We share stories on how the relationships we once had teach us about who we are and define who we become. And maybe through these stories, we can answer that age-old question. Is it better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all? So, this is love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of So This Is Love. It's a beautiful, beautiful Nairobi evening. I think it's around, let me just check the time, 7 p.m. that we're recording this with my brilliant guest. This has been an episode long and coming in a way because I was really trying to pick the right person for the season finale, which is episode 10 of season two. I just want to thank everybody who has been with us throughout this journey. I still get so many messages from you guys, especially those of you who are like, oh my gosh, I've listened to each and every episode. Thank you so much. And if it's your first time on So This Is Love, please remember to subscribe to this podcast. You can also leave your feedback on the Spotify app if that's where you're listening from. Just give us some feedback about what you think about this episode or the podcast in general. And you can also interact with us on our Instagram at So This Is Love underscore podcast. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Mombi, not her real name. And she will be here to talk to us about a relationship with a man that she dated years ago in her 20s for, I think she said, seven years. Mm -hmm. And his name is Theo, also not his real name. Mombi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I have been listening to episodes since you asked me to come and <laughs> this is brilliant. Yeah. I have to say. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I feel like I, I keep, for me, my motivation is just like, I'm creating content for like, you know, maybe 25 year old Julia. I'm like, what kind of content is that relationship I was in? And I'm yeah. like, I needed to know I was not by myself. And, <laughs> and also I know that normal like the things i'm going through what i'm feeling and yeah. just what i'm going through with this person mm-hmm. and that there's hope there's somebody i used to feel like this is my end all and be all he's the one and you know i, I i'll just Girl. take all of his nonsense because you know he's mine and i'm his and we are one and, <laughs> 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 and then we broke up for like when i was 31 i think and i was just like what was that but was it easy for you to walk away the last time, yes. Mm. It's never easy, though. That's not true. I yeah. wouldn't say easy, but it hit me like we are done. Done. Like we, yeah. And if 
I could just get these stupid like societal notions out of my head. Mm-hmm. You're not the guy for me, and I know it. Yeah, I always kind of kind of knew, but then I didn't know because I was just young, and I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So it wasn't easy, but it was easier because we'd broken up maybe three or four times by then. Mm. Yeah, so it was time. It was time. It yeah. was time. Yeah. How do you feel about being here today? Ooh, um, I'm a little nervous, <laughs> but also, you know, when you sent me the email and I went through it, I told you I, I really had a small solo therapy session with myself. Yeah. And I feel like it's time for me to actually speak about this relationship because it was a hugely kind of defining relationship. It was my first time being in love. So, Ooh, girl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's mm. one of those. Mm. Girl. <laughs> okay, so yeah. you're, I would say, 22 at the time you, yes. you meet Theo? Yes. Take us to the beginning. How did you meet? So we met in campus. First year, I've entered campus. And by the way, when I entered first year campus, I was a virgin. I knew nothing of the wickedness of man. All through my education, I was in all-girls school. So this was the first time I was in a co-ed uh, environment you is. you know what i i'm sorry i i just gotta you do give a i came from an all girls school background vibe how i don't know if it's like your witty humor or there's just something about you that's very like yeah this reminds me of one of my cousins who also was like in a girl same school, thing yeah and she has that kind of just like that sarcastic humor and it's yeah i, yeah. I think maybe that's why our mothers took us to girls schools because they knew hey this is where this girl will be safe <laughs> because if i put her set her among the boys the boys will not be safe. Anyway, so this was my first co-ed experience. Um, you know, what I was studying in school was also really hard. And so it was just kind of me coming into my own in all kinds of ways. So I first met him when I was 19 when I checked into campus. And he was initially and immediately very clear that he was interested in me. But at that time, me, I still had my mother's warnings ringing in my head like, where? Go to school now, sin letter, mimba. Just go and study. I have taken you there to read and not to mess around with boys. My mother was really looking over my shoulder, you know, like that meme where you see something online that you shouldn't see and then Jesus appears over your shoulder. That was my mom. So fast forward a couple of, actually, let's not fast forward because at that time he made it very clear that he was interested. And also I was interested because... Let me be honest, Theo was gorgeous. Just tall, dark, handsome, luo man. So uh, already I'm like, guy, you want to have anything to do with me? Okay, thanks. So we used to hang out. We kissed a couple of times. But then I panicked because in my head I was like, I've been brought into this situation to study and come out of here with this degree. And I could see that this man would really drive me off the course of my life. Turns out I was right. I should have listened to my first instinct. So I kind of ghosted him. He would try and call. And this was right at the advent of like mobile phones and mobile phones were still for like, you had to be super wealthy. So my parents had mobiles. I didn't. So it was a landline situation where he'd call on the landline and want to talk to me. And I just, I've refused to talk to him. My sisters knew to put him off. So apparently I broke his heart. So a couple of years later, now we're properly in the middle of campus. I've experienced campus nicely. I've even had sex. So I'm not the little naive girl that uh, he encountered at the beginning of Campo. I don't know what he was doing in the intervening time, but later on I found out that he had been dating someone else. Then he came and was like, hey, like, 
like nothing had happened and by then I just knew I was ready the one thing i remember about theo is that he was very charismatic he was the kind of person who'd enter a room and people would pay attention mm-hmm. and also like he'd enter a room and yani just feel <laughs> sense living your body when you see him like butterflies i start stammering and i've always been a highly articulate person but around this man i was foolish like i was a complete fucking idiot right so he comes and he tells me you know i i still feel the same way i did a couple of years ago let's try so we start dating and you know that that period of our relationship was the best like i was treated like not not like a princess like a queen okay mm-hmm. um i remember even my friends used to say that this, uh, we know about love but this guy is just out here cherishing you because like I could never lift a finger. If I wanted anything, he'd get up to go and get it. Um the way he looked at me, the way he just he was so tender with me. And I just I really did feel like the luckiest girl in the world. You know when you're in campus like you're either studying or you're out, out somewhere getting drunk. Campus was a time of extremes. Those never when we were just chilling, we're either serious or we are a mess somewhere. So I met someone at the club who had heard that I was dating Theo and she pulled me aside like it was like a big sister now when i look back she was just trying to be a big sister she was like hey i know you're dating this person i know someone who he was dating it did not end well he's not a good person please and i just thought she was being a hater i was like <laughs> clearly i mean look at him he's fine as all hell of course you want to mess up my relationship so i dismissed that story But let me tell you something Jules that kept happening throughout all the years I was with this man random strangers coming to like find out if I'm okay and when i think back i'm like you know one person is a hater but when it happens <laughs> more than once it's like okay what's happening there so basically that honeymoon period actually lasted a pretty long while because we started dating in 2005 and it was really nice all the way until 2007 well i thought so at the time but then now even i'd notice that he would really go from 0 to 100 if he was pissed off with other people like he would go from being the calm quiet guy in the room to he'd be the person getting us kicked out of places because he got into fights and you know back then i think oh he's so manly he's such mm, a fighter so passionate oh well, look would you look at him throwing punches at that unsuspecting man <laughs> when you think about it now but i did not see it as a red flag then because again remember i'm in my early 20s do you know so yeah we were always getting kicked out of places and then like I would notice that he'd get like irritable with me like if I said something wrong he would snap at me but then he'd immediately be very sorry. This is in the honeymoon phase. In though. the honeymoon the phase. The two years where you said we're good. Yeah, like he'd snap but then he'd be so sorry so quickly and then you because this is your first experience with actual love. And let me tell you something Jules, I loved this man in a way that I know I'll never love like that again because that love came with innocence. Mhm. So when I say I'll never love like that again that doesn't mean that I'll never love with such intensity because that is not true but there, there was such an innocence in how I saw him like you know that thing for I believe the sun rose and set out of his ass honestly like it was insane I was completely and utterly obsessed head over heels that kind of love that 
if I had children, I would warn them. Like, if you start feeling like that, please leave that place and go to the hospital because there's something wrong. Like, I was completely and utterly in love with him. So to the point where, like, if I'm getting snapped at and he apologizes immediately, then I use that as a reason. Like, can you see why he's so worthy of love? He apologizes so quickly. But then I wasn't really thinking about the things he would say right before he'd apologize. For instance, like, you know, those people who have a really strong aversion to you using their coffee table without coasters. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to leave rings on my table. So most people would be like, no, 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 just let me get you a coaster. So he'd say things like, how can you be so fucking stupid? I've told you not to put your glass down. Then I'd react like physically like, wait, what? And then he goes like, oh, no, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just had a really bad day. I'm really sorry. Like it was that thing for... You know how we are told that mice bite you and then they blow. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 what it was like. So basically the first two years was just punctuated, like long periods of bliss punctuated by, you know, you're snapped at and it's something crazy. I think that the worst thing he told me was, you think I have all the fucking time in the world, move your ass, you slow bitch. So I'm like, huh? You know, you have such, like it's... <laughs> You you can't believe <laughs> that, and by the time you've not even started processing, but he's already apologized. What in the world? So it it doesn't give you time to be like, yo, but this guy talks to me crazy, yeah, because it's so quickly followed up by an apology. That how we are set up as human beings, we really want just to focus on the positive of the person that we love. So the apology is what I'd focus on until like I brush over whatever was said. That prompted the apology. So that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the first two years. Okay. So that was your two years. Mm-hmm. Other than like feeling like a princess, how can you describe just like falling in love with him? And I'm also curious to know what the age gap was because he mm-hmm. sounds, I don't know if he's older, but he sounds either older or more maybe mature than you. I'm actually, weirdly enough, I was four months older than him. Okay. One in the same year, but I was. Four months older than he was. Was he maybe, for example, like he'd had other girlfriends before? He'd oh, had sex sure. before? Like, so he, in certain aspects, he had an upper hand? Yeah, he was a lot more experienced than I was. Again, I told you, I was raised Catholic school girl where you're told, if you have sex, you're going to hell. It is a mortal sin. Rest in peace. Bye. But then now, for women especially, if, if you grew up in that situation, that sexual shame is more often than not placed like firmly on women the boys can do whatever the hell they want. So, of course, he was a lot more experienced in terms of relationships, in terms of sex. And then also, innately, like I said, he's a very charismatic person. And even though he moved through life with such confidence, like, people gravitated towards him. Like, he had this crew of boys that, like, he was literally... I really hate saying this term because it's really been bastardized over the past couple of years. But he was really an alpha. Like, he was the alpha of his little pack. His boys would argue among themselves, but when he spoke, they would stop and listen to him. So, of course, that also inspired that feeling in me that, oh, my God, look at this, my king. <laughs> yeah, You know, I relate. I was like, oh, my I God. I know, I saw it in your face. I like, used to call him my king, and he used to call me my chocolate princess. Ugh. So, all right, dating for two years. Yeah. Um, you're like, okay, no, no, no. There's this little, I would say red flags, pink flags. Yeah. They should be red, but in your mind, they're not even flags. It's just you like... Know, they're not flags. It's like confetti almost. It's mm-hmm. not even a flag, really. But other than that, was he good to you? 
Like, would he call back? In, would he text? Would he show up? In in the moment, I thought he was being good to me mm. because that was my first experience in love. Right. So I, I didn't have another frame of reference for, I know this is not how I'm supposed to be treated because this other time, this guy did this. So I had no frame of reference. Like, even when I lost my virginity, I did not lose my virginity in a relationship. Yeah. I literally lost my virginity in a one night stand, which mm-hmm. I regret to this day. I feel really sad about it sometimes. Oh, I think you're better off. Imagine if you lost your virginity to this. Oh, I was gonna say you'd have stayed with him for seven years, but she stayed with him Girl. for seven years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't matter. When I was in the relationship, I did feel like I was treated well because I had no frame of reference for what was good and what was bad. Okay. Yeah. So then tell us about the next leg of your relationship. So Two years are are done. We're entering now 2007. Actually, it was around mid-2007. I remember I was admitted to the hospital because I had a gynecological issue. And I remember, like, he'd come to see me. But the one thing that I found really odd, okay, it didn't feel oppressive at the time because I loved him so much. But in those two years of our relationship, she was always around in some way, shape, or form. Like, it got to a point where I almost felt watched. Mm. But, you know, you excuse it away by thinking, oh, he's just really protective because he loves me so much. He's just, I'm so loved. I'm so lucky and loved. But then now I go into the hospital, but this person who used to be so vigilant and watchful over me, I was in the hospital for a week. I think he came to see me twice, which I thought, I was like, mm, okay, weird, maybe. And then when I asked him, he goes like, you know, I don't like hospitals. I really, hospitals make me uncomfortable. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. But then he promised, he said that the day I was going to be discharged, he was going to come pick me up. He didn't. So I was like, okay, weird. So the change was like, it wasn't that drastic where he goes from angel to demon in like a split second. It was like things that he used to do, he just stopped doing them. So in my head, I excuse it away by saying, this man is finally getting comfortable. And and then I tell myself, you know, all that lovey-dovey stuff, it cannot conceivably be sustainable in the long run. No one will be able to do that every day for the rest of their lives. This is just him settling into the relationship. That's what I told myself. So then now I remember like now when I got home and I call him, I'm like, okay, uh, hey, you were supposed to come and pick me up. So he laughs. And I'm like, okay. You know, and everyone in the room is laughing except when you're like, which was the punchline? What is so funny? <laughs> so then I ask him, okay, why are you laughing? And then he goes like, I'm laughing at you. You know, the things that, it's like they're tattooed in my mind. So I ask him, why would you laugh at me? Like, I've just left the hospital. <laughs> What's so funny? And he was like, it's funny that you think that I'd come to discharge you. So I'm like, why? He was like, I'm not your husband. Eh? Get that into your head. And he hung up. But right before he hung up, you know, they asked babes where CIA, FBI, Mossad. I swear I had a babes voice on the other end. So on top of like, yo, this guy. And then he's talked to me like that and hung up. So this is the first time he's talking to me crazy and there's no apology at the end of it. I'm left there stewing like, Jesus, it's me who has been talked to me, me, me. I've been talked to like that. So then now I try calling him back. There's this podcast you guys did on It's Related, I Promise, where the conversation was about what is the craziest thing you did for love. For love. Mm-hmm. And one of your guests said, I called a million times. I just kept calling. That felt very familiar to me because I called. Like he hung up. I tried calling. He didn't pick. I tried calling again. He didn't pick. Jules, I called that man 60 times. 
60 please not 16 60 because this was now my first like i'm feeling what the hell is going on this i made this man my entire world and then this is like the first proper full rejection that i'm getting from this person and then i'm feeling a little uh, vulnerable as well because i've just left the hospital i'm not feeling great and then now this has happened so he didn't answer and so thankfully i'd been given some pain meds that also help you sleep so i was like yo me i can't deal with the awake while right now me let me go to sleep so i take my meds and i go to sleep i wake up and i find a text like he said lol you crazy bitch so i was like okay i don't know what's happening here so i texted back why would you talk to me like that he didn't respond that day the next morning he calls so already i'm scared i'm like am i being called to be insulted some more or like what's happening but then of course cuz i'm so in love with this there's no way this man would have called and i don't answer in which world so i pick up the phone same old apologetic theo like hey i'm really sorry you know i was just going through a lot that's why i, did, I couldn't come to the hospital nini nini i'm really really sorry So now the cycle starts again. Proper being love bombed, you know, he brought me like I I am I'm a huge fan of Cadbury's ramen raisin. He brought me more ramen raisin than I could eat. Uh sitting with me, you know, talking to me, blah blah blah. Oh by the way, I, I need to I feel like I need to mention my mother never liked this man. Mm-hmm. From the day she clapped eyes on him, she was like absolutely not. I I just and I was asking mom why he's not done anything wrong she's like I cannot tell you it's just that he does not sit right with my spirit I don't like him so even when he used to come and sit because I was living with my parents at the time so he used to come sit with me and my mom would you know that kikuyu lady sneer of <laughs> do you think it could have been a tribal thing no it wasn't a tribal thing because you know <laughs> i have <laughs> dated low men after that and my mom didn't have an issue i, I think it was just him she, was, she just she, she could not she just could not do it and again my mom is a proper diplomatic person why even though she doesn't like you you will never know but this one she could not hide it she was just like absolutely not so he'd come and sit with me and you know like even all the masai blankets i owned at that time he's the one that bought for me like now cuz you know like when you come from the hospital your hair is looking a little crazy he gave me money to go do my hair remember we are university students we're not working but he was really jitolaying bring me flowers and things like that so i eventually that's like now cuz now i'm at home for another week to recover before now I can resume class. So I resume class and of course you know I've just been now in bliss because I'm being treated so nicely after whatever happened. So I'm back in school and I remember seeing him across like a courtyard. And I wave at him. And cuz he was a tall guy, he was like about 6-3. So he turns like cuz his back like was to me but his face was kind of like off to the side so I think I caught his eye. So he moved out of the way and there was a girl that was holding his hand mm. and so he said something to her and she dropped his hand really quickly so i walked towards him and i'm like uh, theo who was that then he goes like i'm not allowed to have friends who are women now so of course i'm putting on my defense and i apologize so i'm like okay fine let's go to class 
So we get to the class and then he goes like, you really piss me off. I don't want to sit with you today. So me already, I'm really sorry because I'm so sorry that I asked him such a terrible question. What a monster I am. That, that was really, I know I'm, it sounds sarcastic, but that was really, <laughs> was really what was happening in my head. So he goes off to sit somewhere. And by the way, sure enough, this girl who's just his friend is sitting next to him. Me, I'm just sitting now by myself and I had to sit closer to the lecturer because, you know, my eyesight is trash, right? So him is off to the back and I do not remember what that class was about because I paid not an inch of attention because all I could think about was what was happening behind me and were giggling and blah, blah, blah. Oh my God. It was just, it was just a mess. So I remember I come out of the lecture because of course, if you're closer to the front, you're closer to the door. So I come out and I wait for him and it felt like I waited for an hour, but in reality it was probably like five minutes. But even me in my head, I'm like, what's taking you five minutes? Like, what are, you, what are we doing? So he comes out of lectures and I'm like, hey, we need to talk. Then he goes like, you're right. Because now he lived now in the hostel. So he goes like, okay, let's go to my room and we talk. But there was something in his eye. Like, it, it wasn't someone who was like, okay, baby, let's go and talk. It's like, sour. You're right. Let's, let's go and talk. It it came off really hostile. So we get to the room and he closes the door and then he turns. He's like, eh? You know, someone who does it really, it's like, okay, fine, you're here. You want to talk, what's up? So I'm like, I don't understand uh, what just happened. Like, I, I, I did say, oh, sorry, I'm really sorry that I doubted you with that, babe. I'm, and so then he went off on this tirade of, yeah, like he can't be someone who doesn't trust him. And anyway, of course, I thought that he had a thing with that girl because have you seen her and have you seen yourself? No. Yes. So my ancestors have refused it. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, 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 no. Have you seen her and have you seen yourself? I feel like I've been punched in the gutter. So I start crying. Then <laughs> he tells me, I don't know why you're crying though you look ugly when you cry. As in, I, I was being stomped on by this point. <laughs> like you might as well have been How stomping. old are you at this point? This was 2007. I was heading toward, I was 25 years old at this time. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, and now that was the year now I dropped out of that course in university because when now things started going south and then all my health was not also not at its best i was not i was no longer even able to pay attention to class and i was not doing well in school and again this this is a really difficult course that we were in and it was one of those that i'd been pressured into by my parents because i was, I was i'd always been a good student in primary and high school and i'd reached the like requisite grades to get into that course so basically what i'm saying right now is this is like mid of that year where now this the, the apologies have stopped. Now it's just I'm being talked to crazy. It's not like someone is going to come and cuss you out. It's just he had this uncanny knack of finding my insecurity and really dancing on it. Like the times he'd tell me, did you sleep at home? He'd come and ask me, did you sleep at home? I'm like, why? Then he goes, like, you don't look like you've showered. Like unprovoked. Like, like if the the way someone will come and tell you good morning, like hi Jules, how are you doing? They'll come and say your titties look saggy. Today. Like something so random, <laughs> you know. And 
it got to a point where like I felt like I was walking on a knife's edge with this person. I didn't know which version of him I would get from day to day. Because one day I'm being called all kinds, not called names, but he'll say things, but he'll say it in such a way that there's deniability. He can say like, I didn't mean like that. When you do, you do jokes, like I was joking. Obviously I was joking. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I must have lost my sense of humor because none of this shit is funny. And then the next day, he'd, oh, hey, baby, how you doing? So, of course, like, it's like walking through a minefield. You don't know the next place you lay your foot is, there's going to be an explosion. And so that's how I spent that year, 2007. I was so stressed that, first of all, I thought it was H. pylori. It had nothing to do with H. pylori. I actually developed an ulcer in addition to all my other stress things I now I had this ulcer because I was on edge all the time. I was so hyper vigilant. I learned how to read his moods like minutely. It had gotten to the point where it was for my survival. So that on the day that he looks like he's going to be nasty, I try and make myself as small as possible so that I'm not an easy target. But none of it ever works. Because I'm the one who's the closest proximity. I'm his romantic partner. I'm the easiest target. Now thinking about it, my God, I don't know why I'm feeling emotional. And it's oh been so gosh. many years. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's been so many years. I'm I, so I, sorry. I, 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 even talking about it, I've realized that I've not thought about a lot of these things for a long, long time. Then now, you remember what happened at the end of 2007, the elections and post-election violence. So now uh, in January... 2008, now properly in the thick of post-election violence, Theo lost his brother to post-election violence. He was murdered in this Nairobi. And so now this now properly sent him like into a downward spiral. And I'm there now trying to be there for him. But you know, the good thing is, because he was so angry at the world, I think maybe he had another outlet for whatever it is that was happening. So weirdly and paradoxically enough, I was, I did not bear the brunt of it at least until like around April. So I remember in April, cause my birthday is around that time. So in April he, okay. So there's a friend of ours who got in a car accident at that time and passed away. I remember like he calls me because this guy was both of our friends. So he calls me, he's like, have you had about so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah. So he goes like, you know, you want to come over, hang out, blah, blah, blah. I went over, of course, we had sex. And I got pregnant. So this guy, <laughs> now we go through the process of burying our friend. And then I'm waiting for my period. And then I tell myself it's just been a hectic month. Maybe that's why my period is late. Then we enter me. Another period is missing. I'm like, okay, I think maybe I may need to take a test. I take a pregnancy test. Have you ever been so pregnant that the lines appear even before you finish pee? <laughs> As in the lines were two double lines. Like, sis, you are pregnant. So I remember. <laughs> I'm really trying not to laugh, girl. I'm really trying not to laugh. But I remember like... Do you know how you can it didn't lie work. to it's yourself? Like, it's like, it was two seconds and you're like, oh my God. I was like, God. oh, I am so pregnant. <laughs> By then I've already dropped out of uni. Mm. 
So, oh God. So I'm in this terrible time. My mom is so pissed off with me oh because it's like I, we have paid all these fees and then you just you think that university is just a kiosk you can go to and live at will. So my mom had also stopped talking to me. Then our friend has died in an accident. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, you're still there in your 20s. And then <laughs> that is your first experience with mortality, you know. So really going through it. So I remember like now when it was kind of confirmed that I'm pregnant, very quickly confirmed. I remember calling him and saying, where you at? He goes like, I'm in my room in campus. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, can I come? Then he goes like, no. Why would you ask? Then, of course not. I don't want you to come today. Like he was in, in the bad days again. So then now I'm like, okay, how's tomorrow? And he was like, you know, you don't know how to take a hint. You know what, sour, just come. Come today, but you can only be here for one hour. So I'm like, okay, fine. Already I'm trembling because... <laughs> this is the reception I've already gotten and he doesn't know what I'm coming to tell, tell him. So I get there. First of all, I remember I got there and he had just come out of the shower. So he gives me his shirt, like iron this. You know, he used to iron his clothes and do his laundry. My mother took me to campus really to do someone's laundry and iron his shirts. My God, mom, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I'm there ironing his shirt while now trying to Panga that PowerPoint presentation in my head. I'm going to break this news to him. So I give him his shirt. He wears it. By the way, without a thank you, because <laughs> it's like, so that's what you're supposed to do. So I tell him, okay. In my head, I was like, the best way to just go about it is just come out with it. So I said, I'm pregnant. So he stopped in his tracks. Then he turned. And one thing I'd noticed before he said anything nasty to me, he get this really peculiar, almost like, you know when you're about to do something that you're really going to enjoy? Like if someone brings like a steak and you know you're really going, that smile you give the waiters, he's coming. He, he gets like a smirk. Yeah, like he was smirking like, ooh, I'm, I'm about to hurt you. So he got that look on his face and like I learned to a recognize sinister it. smirk. It was horrible. It's like something out of like almost like a horror movie. So he gets a look on his face and like I hold my breath. Then he goes like, well, it took you long enough. So I was like, what? And he goes like, three you're a hoe. Of course someone was going to knock you up. Stop. Let me tell you, you know the people say Nilishi Wanguvu, for real, Jules, I had no strength. I flopped down onto his bed. You know in a campus room, all there is is a bed and a desk. Oh my God. So I just sat. I've sat down like and then like your ears are ringing it's like you've been slapped so I was like what and he's like don't think I don't know what you've been up to then I asked him what have I been up to that man advanced upon me with all his six foot threeness and hoisted me up from that bed and pinned me to the wall by the way all this time he had never gotten physical with me this was the first time so he pins me to the wall. He's like, don't think I don't know all the people that you have been sleeping with. So I'm there, like, crying, trying to tell him I've not been sleeping with anyone. Then he was like, no, you're lying. And then I'm like, you're hurting me. He was like, in fact, I need to kick whatever that is out of you. So me, I told him, just let me go. Let me leave, please. Just let me go. So I leave. <laughs> I don't know how I got home. You know those days I didn't have a car. This is 2008. What is Uber? Was there Uber? There's no Uber. So no. so I get into a matatu. You know, I see on Twitter people talking about 
you have not adulted fully in Nairobi until you've cried in a matatu. Oh yeah, and I, the Gen Zs, <laughs> I don't think they get it. Like my cousins and my sibling and it's like they haven't. They have not. Yeah. They have no idea. So then of course you can't wail because you also don't want people to think that you're a mad person. <laughs> yeah. So by the time I got home my chest was like hurting because you know just trying to hold in the tears. You know, now in my head I'm like okay, clearly I'm going to do this alone. Um I'm going to have to do this alone. From that point, because this was around May, the next time this person spoke to me was the end of June. And then, I don't know, because I had, and this is not for lack of me trying to reach him. I'd send messages, even though in my head I'm like, you know, you know, there's your rational consciousness and then whatever this is when you're in this situation mm. where you lost all sense and common sense and sense of time and space. How did you survive a whole month not even going up to his house and being like, what the... I would I have done that. I had have called a hundred times. Don't try. Let this, alone 60. This is where the story is going, right? So he calls me uh, around June and he goes like, hey, uh, can we talk? So me, I'm there like, of course we can. You know me, I didn't even have it in me to to show pride. Like, no, I don't want to talk to you. I was, I was a party in his hands. I shit you not. So I'm like, sure. I tell him I'm at my folks' house. But then he realized that my mom does not like him. No, because my mom did that really terrible job at hiding. She was not hiding. She's like, I don't like this person. I don't like him. But this time, my pregnancy was that one where, do you know my mom, I think, knew for the longest time uh, that I was pregnant, even before I came clean and told her that I was pregnant. Because we had this house help. I could not stand her. All of a sudden, I could not stand the sight of her. So my mom actually sent her off to my auntie's house. I th- my mom really knew I was pregnant long before I told her. So he goes like, you know, can I come over? I'm like, sure. But then he goes like, but I know your mom doesn't like me, so I'll come pick you up and then we'll go somewhere else. So I'm like, sure, no worries, that's fine. So I wait for him. I wait, I wait, I wait, I wait, I wait. He doesn't show up. So I call him. He picks up and it's in the middle of he's laughing with someone and it's like a chick so I'm like, first of all, who's that? He was like, you're calling me to ask me stupid questions. So I'm like, you are supposed to come. And he was like, and? And you didn't. Then he was like, call me when you have something important to tell me. And he hangs up the phone. So I'm like, okay, fine. I try calling him again. You know me, again, me, I'm still in my <laughs> silly girl era. <laughs> so... I tried calling him. It wasn't 60, but it was a lot. So I tried calling him, I tried calling him, I tried calling him. He doesn't pick up. Now we left June, we're entering July. So now in my head, I've talked to my best friend. My best friend is like, hey, babes, let me just tell you something. Baby girl, eh? are you sure that you want to be connected to this person for the rest of your life? So in my head, now it starts becoming clear that maybe this is not a pregnancy I want to keep. And then on top of everything else, I've entered the deepest depression. I'm a pregnant woman who is losing weight. Like I was not eating. Like when I look at photos of myself at that time, you know the way you look back in your skinny girl era and you're like, damn, I wish I had that body again. I was too skinny. So my parents take me to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist goes like, hey, now this girl, eh? Because, of course, he's also I'm pregnant. First of all, he goes like, this girl is also at really high risk of severe postpartum depression. So we needed to have a conversation, and the conversation ended with me terminating the pregnancy, which is also something that 
if I was to do it again, I think I would have kept the pregnancy. But okay. then I was young and I was scared. Mm-hmm. And I was depressed. And all these things that I'm feeling, I'm feeling them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak, I'm feeling it for the first time. Not before, like, you have a, you're, you're a small, small high school boyfriend, <laughs> but you didn't love him. It was just someone that you like. This is someone that consumed me, body and soul. Yeah. Like even heartbreak is not enough mm. to describe. It's more like body break. Your whole body is broken. <laughs> like not just your heart. So you I terminated the pregnancy. Then I remember early September two thousand and eight. He just shows up at my house. I think he just knew I'd be home. Because by then see I've dropped out of uni. So there's nothing I'm doing at the time. So he just turns up. So I go to the gate. But you know, because so much has happened, I have a level of strength. I didn't even go to the gate with keys. I just went and I stood there and I asked him, what do you want, Theo? Why are you here? Then he goes like, um, "Is there? Where, where is the baby? I told him, there's no baby here for you. And I turned around and I walked back into the house. The next time I see him, because now one of his best friends was a very good friend of mine's brother. So we'd see each other socially. So the next time we see each other, it was, you know, those electric avenue nights in Westlands. And, you know, I've I've just had an abortion. I'm going through the worst period of my life. And then he, <laughs> I'm drinking myself silly. And then I see this person. So he sees me and he points and he goes like, there's that bitch that was desperate enough to lie that she was pregnant just to trap me. Oh my God. So me, my alcohol, me, <laughs> me got fired up. I was like, what did you say? So even him was taken aback because I never stu- uh, stood up for myself like that before. So it's like, what did you just say to me? So he was, he had like a whole like, hmm? but then now he got that look on his face of, oh, my blue has landed. Like it has taken effect. So he laughed. He was like, you had me just fine. You would take your psychotic ass out of here. And imagine I left the club into another club, but the rest of that night was just crying. I was a sad girl in the club. The one who cries all the time. <laughs> This is now 2008 ends. I'm still nursing my heartbreak. Then on top of everything else, uh, January 2009 comes, and that was when it was supposed to be my due date. <laughs> was, I'll never forget it. My due date was the 28th of January 2009. So that day, that January, I also had like my own feelings of what have I done. And then, of course, I've, I've been raised Catholic, so it's it's such a sin in the Catholic Church to have an abortion. So I'm just going through it at the time. And remember I told you that this person knew all my insecurities, but he also knew when I was the most vulnerable to try and come back. So that January, he called me and he tells me, hey, uh, you know, can we meet up? Who is silly uh, Mombi? Goes and meets up with him. Next thing you know, we've fallen into bed. So we have sex, and then I'm they're looking all content and happy. You know that thing where you're snugging. And, mm, then he goes like, "What are you doing? Get dressed. You have to leave." So I'm like, "Why?" Then he was like, "My girlfriend is coming over. Did I know there was a girlfriend?" <laughs> now what I'm about to tell you, I, I think you're going to slap me. So I said, "It's okay if you have a girlfriend. I still love you. So I'm okay. I'm willing to share you." Okay. <laughs> I'm like, listen, 
I'll just say to my listeners, I've actually never addressed my listeners like this. Mumbi has, <laughs> she makes me laugh, okay? So I'm not laughing at Mumbi. Mumbi, I'm not laughing at I you. I know, I know. I'm just like, <laughs> it's so sad that I, and the it, thing it's is. It's not for her. Wow. wow. <laughs> hey, what is it? Hey. Yeah. You know, in some twisted way, some twisted you get way, it, yeah? I get it. Yeah, yeah. I've been that girl who is like, I would probably, I wouldn't be like, it's okay, I can share you. No, because I was very territorial and no bitches coming up to my man, you know. Um, Listen, I had no, there was no pride. I know, but there's a person, that person I told you, yeah. the on and off, the yeah. seven year shit show. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just really devalued myself yeah and that's that's the thing like by the time by the time that happens your confidence is so eroded it was it's not even about the other woman it's just about feeling some semblance of what you had with this person or thought you had with this person and you know for me the thing that i was i was i kept he kept me on the hunt for the good times exactly because when I was going through just the absolute worst and please note this is not someone who has laid a hand on me at this point well, he did do the wolf. He, no, wolf. he did the, but he hadn't punched me. He hadn't kicked me. And you know, it, back in back then, used to, like it's not abusive. He pushes you. It's passion. It's, it's passion. Like if he shakes you, like listen to me, and he's shaking you, and your teeth are rattling. Yeah, because we were watching fucking Mexican soap dramas, and yeah. we think that's what love. that's what love is, Maria. <laughs> no, and then you're slammed against the wall, and you're like, oh yes, Alejandro, <laughs> you love me. <laughs> it was it was so silly. Oh, when he's so drunk and he punches the oh, wall next, next to your to head. head, and you're like, it's a passion. It's not like it's not a scandal. It's a passion, girl. That's a red. That's not a red flag. It's that's a pack purple. your bags and leave. It's magenta. That flag. <laughs> it's blaring. It's, it's a blaring alarm. That's alarm. It's an ambulance, a fire alarm. truck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you know, by this time, because again, when you devalued yourself, you also really. You're his biggest advocate. You're, you're, Yanni, you're his lawyer in your head. Like, everything he does is an excuse. And so I tell myself that he wasn't abusive because he'd never struck me. And through all the, the shit, through all the horrible things that he would say to me, because let me tell you, this man knew how to... Yanni, his tongue was razor sharp. He would rip you to pieces and leave you, like, in a blubbering hip. Like you have, you have nothing left. But I'd tell myself this isn't abuse. He's never beaten me. But then even through all this shit, I'd he, what kept me hanging on was remembering what he was like when things were good. Mm. And for me, that was not the first two years. Even though when you think back, it wasn't all good. This man had no compunction in talking to me the way he felt like, even though it was quickly followed up by a sorry. But when you think back, that sorry was very calculated. Just, you know, it's, it's a little blindfold, you know. But then as time went on, when he was secure and like, oh, this baby's not going anywhere. So the sorry stopped. And then, you know, I've talked about how bad he was with like the abuse, but when I tell you that he could say horrible things, you know, like now when I've decided I'm okay sharing him, and he'd be like, yeah, of course, it, it will never be just you because you're a barren woman. In fact, that's how I learned the Swahili word for barren. I didn't know that the word was tasa before then. But when you're when you tasa, so of course it can never be you. You have to have another one who's able to have my babies. 
because uh, then I didn't tell him I'd had an abortion. I told him I'd miscarried. Yeah, so he didn't know. So he mean he, he he'd say things like just horribly cutting things, and even when I tell you my confidence, it didn't exist. There'd be comments about my hair. There'd be comments about my feet. There'd be comments about my skin. There'd be comments about what I was wearing that day. Those comments about how I walk, like everything, was so dissected that I'd even think about how how I walk. He was walking behind me. I'm doing geometry, quick maths in my head. Quick maths, <laughs> quick maths. Oh my god! <laughs> to yeah, so that I can walk in a way that is pleasing. I know, <laughs> you know this that is pleasing. It is this sent this phrase is usually followed by to the Lord. For real, he was my Lord. He was my Lord. Like he completely consumed every fiber of my being. And so, like if you sit there and you ask, why does this girl who sounds so strong? Why did she stay that long? That was why. Because through all the shit, I remembered what it was like when it was good. But the bad thing is that the good periods shrunk in duration. Remember, the first one was two years. Like I'd be lucky if I got a week, and then the cycle would start all over again. Yeah. How long does this go on for? You are back in his bed. Back yes. in his arms, but now as, clear, as his side chick. Now as his side chick from the main. Yeah, but I still count that as part of the relationship because I was not seeing anybody else. Right, he was my man, but I was one of his women. Um, and this was clear to you during this time. It was clear, and I didn't care. And how long did this last for? So this is uh, around two thousand and nine, and finally I walked away in twenty eleven when I was twenty nine years old. How, how long? So for five years, you think that there was that. Marky, it wasn't five; it was two years, two thousand and nine to two thousand and eleven. Oh, okay, okay, quite slightly less than two years. Yeah. Oh, so the full relationship was four years. The full relationship started in two thousand and five to two thousand and eleven. So that's what I'm saying. So for four years, it was just like on and off. It you don't know on, what is going on. On and off, rubbish. And then when we are on, I'm so scared to speak. Mm. I was like, because and I you never, never saw anybody else. You didn't even try. Who me? Yeah, I was completely, completely consumed. I, I had complete tunnel vision. No other man existed. The three men in my life were my dad, God, Leo, and my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Aye. That's it, <laughs> man. Okay. During the honeymoon period, people would come up to me and say, mm, "Are you okay?" But then now it became a lot more frequent. And now after we got okay, well, in quotes, got back together because by then now he had his main girlfriend and I was just his little side piece. One of his friends, remember I told you he was the alpha of his little friend group. One of his friends pulled me aside and told me, hey, Jipendesis. That is when I found out. It, was just, it wasn't just me and his girlfriend. Jipende meaning, please love yourself. Love yourself. Uh, it was just, well, that's when I found out. It, was, it wasn't just me. There was a bunch of other babes, like one night stands. And so I remember when he told me that, I panicked and I went and took an AIDS test, an HIV test. And then I clearly it was it was negative, and so I was like, okay, shit, okay, I have to start being careful. And I remember the next time, you know, we we're about to have sex, I asked him, you know, can we wear a condom? Then he goes like, why? Where have you been? It's me, me, me. Where have I been? There was even a time he accused me of giving him an STD because he got a UTI. Oh my god. Like it was wild, 
So this is around like 2010. And now, you know, that's the, the threat of HIV. <laughs> that is when I, I said gathering sense. When I talk about when the relationship ended, it wasn't that it, it was a uh, it, it relationship and it ended. Mm. It was like a slowly tapering off. Yeah. So he had now this main girlfriend. And then... Um, Did she I, know about you, the main? I don't know. Actually, I do know, but I, I'm getting there. So there's the, this main girlfriend, and then there was me. And then now when his friend came and told me, hey, girl, you need to love yourself because there is an entire harem of you concubines. Oh, you mean it wasn't just you as the side? There were other bits. Others got you, got you, got you. There was a whole host of other women that he would bring in and out of his campus rooms whenever. So... He finally graduated from university. He'd kind of re- repeated a couple of years because, of course, even him was not being very serious in school. But he finally finished. And the same course that he was in, his sister uh, also joined that course he was in later. Mm-hmm. And because he repeated some years, she caught up with him. So they were graduating together. Mm. By then, I'd gotten my first job and I used to work nights. So when he's graduating, you know, him and his sister graduating together, it's a big deal for the family. So I'm like, hey, so graduation party. So he tells me, no, no, we're not going to have a graduation party. We're just going to have dinner just as family. Mm. So I was like, okay, cool. No worries. Later on, so because I was going to get time off work not to go for that graduation party. But then now I found out later that the graduation party happened and his main babe was there front and center giving him graduation cake and his other assistant girlfriends <laughs> were there. There was one crying by the fence, there was one at the gate, there was one during the loo, all of them crying because... So he saved, you, he saved you from all that I, or what? I you see, to this day I ask myself, was I not invited because I was just so low down in that hierarchy of women? <laughs> Or that he just cared about me a little bit and you wanted to spare me that nonsense. I'd, sometimes I think about it. I'm like, what was it? Did he care that? <laughs> he was like, no, I don't want this one to come. And these other ones, he didn't care whether they saw or not. Or that yani, I was so low down in that hierarchy that I was not even deserving of an invitation. Anyway, it happened. It yeah. happened. And so then I remember now when the next day when I found out that there'd been a party, I called him. But then he gave the phone not to his girlfriend. And that was the day she found out about me. Mm-hmm. So she goes like, Atiya, he tells me you're just this crazy woman that stalks him. I just want, please leave us alone. Like, leave us alone. Stop calling him. Oh, my God. I'm, your face? It was my face. Because I was like, what is happening here? So... I'm like, okay, sour, sour, cool, cool. So the rest of that day I spent it just crying. I was in bed just in floods of tears because what the fuck is this? So then now the next day I text him. I'm like, hey, are you home? He was like, yes. When I tell you I had no (laughs) self-respect. Again, this is 2009, Apple. Remember there are no Ubers. So now outside our estate, now my folks were, there's always this like line of cab guys. So one of those cab guys, you know, these cab guys who have a whole host of <laughs> income streams. So in addition to a cab guy, he also used to take those guys that walk around the estate taking photos. Mm-hmm. So he used to come take photos of us. When, much younger when our birthday parties is on that he's come take photos. So I knew him. So I just told him, bro, do me a solid. It's mid-month. I haven't been paid yet. But just drive me to these guys. And it was far. Drive me to this guy's house. <laughs> and just chill for me. And then I'll sort you out at the end of the month. Dude was like, fine, because, you know, he knew me, he knew the family. 
So I go there because he lived like in the SQ. So I walk through the house, say hi to his sister who I'm still chill like we're still chill to this day like I would other. never. She never did anything to me imagine. <laughs> Her brother was the one who was, you know, mm. it was a problem. Anyway, so I walk into the SQ so he looks up at me and he's like, "What do you want?" <laughs> so I'm like, "I just want to talk." He was like, "Get out before I throw you out." So I'm like, "I'm not leaving." You know that man picked me up and threw me out of his house. Carried me to the gate and deposited me in front of that cab guy. Oh yani that Ayibu being driven back home. <laughs> uh, the fact that I can laugh about this now. Did he just want you to come so he can humiliate? Like, yes. Was, yeah. Why, why would back, he say? Yeah, I'm home. And clearly he was expecting me. Uh, okay. Like, what do you want? So how are you able to reconcile this thing of all these years what was it that got you to the end because it's clear that your yeah. confidence was low yeah and this is just the person you thought was the, i guess the love of your life yeah and then this stuff just keeps happening keeps happening keeps happening yeah um so actually not even how did you reconcile because it's just clear this was a confidence and self respect issue yeah yeah what got you to that point where it's this like, was not working for you anymore. So there were, t- there were two um, incidences. First of all, someone that I know, they were not really my friend, but they happened to be in a room where this guy was talking about me. Now Theo was talking about me. And he was like, you know, there are all these other women, but you know, I only keep her around because she's the one that always comes when I call. So he comes to me and he goes like, you know, this is how this guy is talking about you, Mombi. What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? This guy thinks nothing of you. And by then, like, you know, you're getting older. And I was just tired of being unhappy because it has just been now unhappiness for a very long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was like darkness with brief flashes of light and then back into the darkness. And, And again, I was still dealing with the abortion. And it had been more than a year by that point, heading on two years. I was really struggling to forgive myself and it wasn't happening. So now the second incident was when, it's not by then people have finished campus, they've gotten their houses. So he had gotten an apartment that he was sharing with a couple of his friends. And one thing that I know that he did was that he liked my cooking. So again, me just running when someone snaps their finger because... You know, you just want to feel useful to this person. If I'm useful, if I love him enough, if I if I don't upset him, then he will see me, and finally I will be chosen or whatever. So I'm at the house. I'm cooking. So then one of his friends he knew the kind of wine that I liked, so he brought it. So then now he goes like, "Where is Mombi?" So you come to the living room. I brought you the wine that you wanted. So I go and I'm really excited. Like, oh my God, thank you. Again, you're in a situation where you're really rarely shown kindness by this person. So when someone else shows you kindness, it's like drops of water in the desert. You know, like mm-hmm. you're just like, oh my God, thank you. So, oh gosh, I'm getting emotional again. Oh. <laughs> you can take a moment if you need a moment. No, it's okay. I'm a big girl. You're good. Okay. Yeah. So I get really excited. And me getting excited really pissed. Theo off. So he stands up. He was like, oh, you've been brought for wine. But he has that look on his face. You've been brought for wine, eh? Let me see this wine. He picks it up and throws it at the wall. It shatters. No. And then he grabs me. This this is the first time he ever hit me. He grabs me and slaps me. So I'm like, you've slapped me. You know, 
like it's like ay 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 you slapped me kid movie stop this is serious okay and also I, <laughs> when you said you've slapped <laughs> me ay 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 you have slapped me kid so let's not make light of that that was actual that was that was, that was that was gender based violence it it's it, it is horrible it's just that her reaction was not any reaction any one of us expected so i asked him you you hit me and then he was, he you know that mocking thing of you hit me and oh he was so God. excited like i've never seen it was like a kid at christmas so i was like what so he grabbed me again and now he backhanded me what his friend did you say his friend was his there? friends were sitting in the living room no one was saying anything there was silence when i tell when i tell you this man was alpha me let me tell i think there there's something ancestral that happened to me the, that one time that man laid his hands on me something ancestral happened So I picked myself. You know when you backhanded by a big man, he actually I fell and he split my lip right down the middle. Cuz you know when you're backhanded, they hit you with the knuckles, right? So I hit the floor. So I'm like, okay. Something just told me this man will never hit me again. I will never be hit again. So I got up quietly and went to the kitchen. Opened the drawer and got a knife. I came charging out. I was like, let me tell you something, ah. Huh? me I'd rather be in prison than live one more day like this that was when all his boys sprang into action you know you so then on top of everything else i'm so angry i'm like you guys just watch this man slap me around and you guys are not now is when you want to rescue now is when you have voices and feet and hands but then looking back they're just trying to prevent a homicide cuz i'm telling you Jules i was going to kill him because it was just like the final straw. I was like I cannot I cannot I've been unhappy for so long. I'd forgotten what it felt like to be happy. So, now the guy who brought me the wine just picked me up by the waist and put me in his car and drove me home. You know, usually after that like this man would never call me, never text me, but I think something in him so that you no, know, this chick has cracked, she might bounce. So he tried to love bomb me, tried to love but then there was a bit of distance. So I remember even him saying, "Why don't you come over to my house?" I was like, "No. Let let's meet in town. Let's meet at a Java." So we met at that Java on Mamangina Street and so he was like, "Okay, I'm really sorry. I don't know what came over me. I'm really sorry. I obviously really upset you. How can we fix this?" And I told him, "You know, in that head space in my head, I was almost done but not quite." So I was like you know we'd have to take like baby steps and see like if we can rebuild trust or whatever me who was a side chick and I'm telling someone to rebuild trust I must have been out of my mind anyway we continue like that like it's like now we are very tentative in our interactions but by then like my heart had just you know seeing the look he had on his face when you're slapping you know he didn't look angry he looked gleeful like he was enjoying himself You know if he had looked angry it would have been something to, like I pissed him off but I didn't piss him off he was just it was asserting dominance I don't know I don't know what was happening so like all this time when you're being tentative and texting each other and he he'd call and he'd sound very like humble and but, but then by then something had already broken so like I want to see maybe a couple of months later he called we spoke and then he was like okay fine good night i'll talk to you tomorrow and when i hung up that phone i knew i was never going to pick his call again and that's how it ended and so he'd call he'd call i just never answered and so eventually he stopped trying to call and that was it wow 
Uh huh. So I know you told me it was. I didn't know it was this kind. I didn't know this was the story. That we, I thought it was more of um, verbal abuse. And I'm so sorry that you had to go through that moment. I had no idea this is where this story was going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm happy that you were able to leave. Mm. And I feel like the woman who's sitting in front of me here today has found a way to rebuild their dignity. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for that. Yeah. So I'm not even sure I want to ask you this because... But maybe you can decide if you want to answer it. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that there was any contribution by yourself in playing a part in how things, you know, unfolded in the relationship? I actually do believe, yes, it's true. And even like when you emailed me earlier, I've been thinking about it. Remember I said that there was that first early like attempt at courtship and then I ghosted him and then... So in the thick of the second round of our relationship when things were just not going well at all. And I remember he'd have like moments of like softness where I'm looking at him like, why would you say that? So I remember there's once I told him, you must really hate me because there's no reason why you'd be treating me like this. And he had this, like, it's almost like I got to him. And so he was like, I don't hate you. It's just that you used to be so feisty and you went and got all submissive and boring. And you know, that was still a nasty thing for him to say. But when I think back, he was essentially saying I had no backbone. And he was right. I did not establish any kind of boundaries. I showed him it was okay for him to talk to me any type of way. I gave up on myself. I abandoned myself. And I think that is really how I contributed to what happened. You know, people need boundaries. And if there are no boundaries that are being enforced, then it's carte blanche. It's a free for all. He can do whatever he wants. And when it came to Theo, I was completely unable to draw any kind of boundaries because I told myself that if I stood up for myself, he would leave me. But I did not realize at the time, by not standing up for myself, I was leaving myself. And that's what I think took me a very long time to forgive myself for. Yeah. What is it from that relationship? Because that relationship was over 10 years ago. Yes. You're a different woman now. Also different. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe first you can start by telling me what is it that you feel like from that relationship you were able to take away and apply Mm -hmm. in your own personal life and or your future relationships. Yeah. Um, And maybe just tell me where you are now. Yeah. First of all, I was very naive entering this relationship because, again, this was my first real relationship, the first time that I fell in love. And so I entered this relationship with a naivete of, if someone says something, then it must be true. So I, I, I did not have this idea that, you know, I knew that people lie because, again, I'm not an idiot. I, wasn't, I, I didn't grow up in a barn here. Yeah? Like, I knew that people do tell lies. But I knew that people tell lies for self-preservation. Like if you've messed up, like the way we used to lie to our parents. But I had no idea that people would lie to you just because. Or that people can just fuck with your head just because. And this was my first real experience with malice. Because again, in my home life, people would get angry at each other. People would fight. But I never truly encountered malice. 
until this situation. So that was a really kind of tough lesson for me to learn that sometimes people will just be nasty because they can. Not for any other reason, not because you deserve it. And you know, in the thick of things, because of how naive I was, I had to rationalize and say that if he's being like this, I must have done something to deserve it. And I did not know that people could just be shitty. So that was a really tough lesson. The other lesson that, again, that I learned even in my friendships, not even in romantic relationships, is boundaries. People respect you more when you say, no, you don't get to treat me like this. I learned that because I did not do that, he did not respect me. There was no boundary. You know, right now, like, we could get into semantics of, was this person capable of respecting anyone? We will never know because I did not lay down those boundaries. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Mombi. Thank you. You want to tell me where you are now? Maybe you can tell our listeners where you at now. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a happy ending. I just want to genuinely yeah. where you at now. It's been ten plus years since um you and Theo broke up, and I hope spoke even. Yeah, I haven't spoken to him since. When I tell you that, I said this is the last time I'm going to. That was the last time we ever spoke. Mm. Weirdly enough, and I know I told you this earlier that. I've not spoken to this person in more than 12 years, but I still remember his phone number. Offhead. Yep. Like, I've got one of those. The, the mind can play tricks on you, sis. Like, mm-mm. But then right now, I'm in a space of such peace and contentment. You know, when it comes to, like, rebuilding, like, self-image and self-worth, I recognize now that that's going to be a lifelong thing for me. Mm. Because even before I entered this relationship, I was a proper people pleaser. So there's had to be a lot of deprogramming, both alone and in therapy. But right now, I'm in a really healthy, really productive space. Yeah. Yeah, I also see a ring on your finger. Yes. It's cute. We don't have to say Mm. nothing about that, but, you know, it Mm -hmm. looks cute. (laughs) A beautiful rock. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and consider supporting us via our till number or PayPal. All the details are in the show notes of this episode and on our Instagram page bio at so this is love underscore podcast. Your contribution will help us keep going. If you would like to be a part of this podcast, you can also reach out to us via direct message on our Instagram page. So this is love is edited by me, your host. This is Jules. See you next time.